From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Oh, um, just a couple things, uh, something that was impressed on my heart here and, and also on someone else's as well. There's something on this house, right? There's something, there's a, there's a presence that is on this house that is powerful. And I was thinking as I'm sitting here, I'm, I feel so blessed to be a part of what God is doing here at Parkway. Like super blessed. But with that said, there's people that need that. There's people that need what's happening here. There's people that need that presence, the presence of God that is in this place, the light that is in this place, what God is doing here. There's people that need that. And so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to be bringers and bring people because I, heaven forbid, I stand before God one day and my neighbor isn't there because I didn't invite him because I wasn't courageous enough. Someone had, had shared um, with me that we're carriers of this. We can't just come to an altar. We can't just receive from God and not go and, and share it with others. Like, you, you can't. I wonder if we've really received it or it's just emotions. Because when we've really received the presence of God, we, that's just on us. That's just on us, and we take that where we go. Like, like You can't not take that where you go. So be a carrier. Take what God's doing in your life, maybe this morning or just through what he's doing here, and be a bringer. Bring somebody into it. Invite somebody or just touch someone's life. Or maybe there's someone you're working on or maybe someone you, you're, you feel in, impressed to talk to, but you're like, they're not ready for the invitation yet, but they're ready for you to have a conversation with them and just say, hey, I just want to chat with you. You don't have to be crazy about it, but just... Be someone who's intentional about engaging other people for, for the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be here. Um, I'm excited that we're, we're here to mo- this, this morning. I was thinking as I was prepping for this that, that there's, the Sunday should be the best day. Because there's something about when people come together. The Bible says where two or three are gathered. Jesus said this, there I am with them, right? And so let there be something that rises up inside of us. And obviously it's, it was rising up this morning. I felt it. I sensed it. I'm moved by it. And I'm just excited for Sundays. It's good to be here. Obviously, as Pastor Mitch already shared, this house is a Raptors house. Um, so if you, are, if you are fans, yes. If you're not and you're like, Raptors, dinosaurs, then it's okay. We still love you. Um, today and uh, this week, just so you know, Church Around the Table is beginning. So if you signed up for a Church Around the Table... That's going to start either today or this week, and hopefully the host has contacted you. If not, they will do so soon, but you should know the, the day and the time and the location. If not, they're on the papers out there. So have fun connecting. We need to be a church that connects. We need to be a church that knows one another. We need to be a church that you guys over there know you guys over there, and you guys over there know these people here, and we know people, right? Otherwise, we're just, we're just we're coming to a club. We're coming to a show, and that's not what we're about. We're a church, and so we need to be a church that connects. So a great opportunity for you is church around the table. Don't forget to bring something to share because it is a potluck dinner or lunch or brunch or whatever is the time and date in which they've picked and you're going to. Um, last week, we talked about making a difference, and we talked about how in, in this house, uh, the mission that God has for us as a church and as a people is to make a difference, and we showed you a little bit of how you can do that right here at this church. And that's by joining the dream team, as I call it, and getting involved in serving. And so we asked you to sign up, and there are different ministries that you can sign up for. And if you're like, I missed that, or I wasn't, I wasn't quite ready, there's still an opportunity for you to sign up. And what I said last week is just try it out. 
Go for a little bit. Try it out. See if God does something in your spirit. And then if you're like, man, this is for me, continue on. If you're like, oh, I'm going to try something different, try something different. We want to help you make a difference in, your, the God, in God's purposes for your life. So get involved. Sign up in a ministry. And if you already did so, the, the ministry leader will contact you shortly with the next uh, steps. Uh, and on another note, we want to shout out to Kara Barr. Where are you? There you are. Kara, this week, I believe, marks one year of, of the battle that you've been going on with. One year. This week on the 31st? 30th. The 30th. And um, they specifically asked that we just thank you as a church for praying for them. I'm thankful that we are a church that prays. I've seen it. That we are a church that prays and that people are, are healed. And we're just grateful for the healing that's been happening in your life. Can we just give Kara a hand? We just celebrate that with you. And I'm mindful, and as we have saw this morning, that there's many of us that, that need a healing touch. Or we know someone that needs a healing touch. And that we've been, you know, as we often say in the church world, contending for. We've been fighting through with prayer. And so just thankful for your prayers. And pray that, or I ask that you continue to pray and intervene for those who have, have, have situations and circumstances where they need intervention. And you may not even know what they are, but we serve a God who does. So you can just pray, God, I don't know what they are, but you know. And so I just pray that you move and breathe and have your being. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Awesome. Uh, question for you as we begin. What comes to mind when you think about God? What comes to your mind? What comes to your thoughts when you think about God, what pictures, what, what ideas, what words come to mind when you think about God? And just reflect on that for a moment. A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to mind when we think about God? Why do I ask that? Because what you think when you think about God will determine how you relate to God. And how you relate to God will determine how close you get to God. And how close you get to God will ultimately determine how you live your life. What you do and, and what you spend your time on and how you act and how you think and, and how you spend your energy. What comes to our mind when we think about God? How do you see God? Is he some, some cosmic punisher waiting with a lightning bolt for you to mess up and screw up so he can strike you? And give you a consequence for your actions. Because if that's how you think of God, you'll relate to God out of fear. You'll relate to God out of fear. And then he'll cause, you, cause a distance between you and God because you won't really get too close to someone that you fear. Or that you think is waiting to strike you when you mess up or you make a mistake. It'll create a barrier. Because how close can you get to someone that you're afraid of? Or is he a sleepy, apathetic being? He, he created the, the, the whole world and the entire universe. He flung the stars in the sky and set up the whole created order. And he, and he, he created all the natural laws and to, down to the deepest parts of, of our atoms to the, to the craziest galactic star. And then did he just step back and say, I'm done and disappear? Is he, is he there but not really there? Right? He's around but, but not really around. And if that's how you see God, then that's how you'll relate to him. Maybe you'll check in from time to time. Maybe you'll talk to him once in a while. But he doesn't really care, so why should you? He doesn't really talk to you, so why should you talk to him? And that will affect how close you get to him. Is he some galactic genie, a granter of wishes, 
ready to give you what you want when you want it if you just say it the right way with enough faith and belief in your heart. Well, if that's how you believe God to be, then that's how you will relate to him. You'll go to him only when you need something, but other than that, you won't find yourself close to God. What comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us because it impacts how we relate to God and in turn will define our lives in this life but also the next. And I believe that some people will be held back from eternity because of how they thought of God, how they thought of God. What should come to mind, what we should think of is a good father, is a good father. And that's what we're going to be looking at the next couple of weeks, looking at and possibly redefining God as father. He's a relational God. He's the disciplinarian and not how you think. He's the provider. He calls us by name, and he smiles in our direction. He is the good father. And my hope is that by the end of even today, for the next couple of weeks, our, our perspective will change or be reinforced by seeing God as a father. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we just commit this moment we have to you. God, we're thankful for what you're already doing God, in this service, through worship, God, through community, and we pray, God, you continue to work amongst us as we open our hearts to receive from you. Speak to us as only you can speak, and, and maybe shift our perspective, God. I know, Lord, that often how I think and view you, God, causes my relationship to, to you to be defined like that. And so I pray, God, that regardless of what we may think or feel, God, as we look at your word, God, that we would have our perspective redefined on who you are as a good father in the name of Jesus. Amen. The other day, uh, I think it was about a week ago now, um, the boys uh, and Emmy were sleeping, and me and Jody were awake, and it was probably just before I was about to go, go to bed, I hear, Dada, Dada, and it was Joshua. So I go in his room, and I say, what's up, buddy? He goes, there's a bad bird. I said, a, a bad bird? There, there's a bad bird. I said, a bad bird, buddy? A bad bird, and he's going to get you. I said, me? Yeah. And I don't want him to get you. I said, I said, buddy, I said, the bad birds can't get daddy. He can't? No, because I'm daddy. You're daddy? Yeah, and it was just a dream. Oh, and there was a sigh of relief that came upon him because I'm daddy, and it was just a dream. To my kids, I'm, I'm dada. All of them, the, the littlest to the oldest, they all call me Dada. Even Eli, who's five, he still calls me Dada. Em, Emmalyn the other day, where she's been starting to say Dada. It's more like Da-da-da-da-da, but I'll take it as Dada. Um, and uh, and she's, she's so cute. She's got the biggest smile that just melts my heart. She doesn't know it yet, but she's slowly getting me wrapped around her finger, but I'm never going to tell her that because it will do me harm later on. But, but she's got the biggest smile. And the other day, Jody was holding her in her arms, and I'm making her smile. And she, again, this, she's a smile that just lights up your life. And then she gets all bashful and she turns and goes, da, da, as if to say, stop. And I'm just like, <gasps> and I, it just got me right in the feels. It just got me right in the feels. Joshua, when I come home from being out, maybe being in the office or, or whatnot, he'll, he'll yell the moment I open the door, daddy's home. And he'll run to the top of the stairs and goes, you home, daddy? Because he just wants to confirm that I'm actually home. Yeah, I'm home, buddy. And if, I, if, I'm, if I'm not home when they go to bed, I'll, before I go to bed, I'll go and tuck them in. And if he wakes up in that moment, he'll be like, you home, daddy? 
It's just so cute. I'm often woken in the middle of the night to the scream, Dada! And it's usually Eli, five, who's having some sort of nightmare, and he needs his data. Now, this doesn't happen often for me. Usually it's his mama, but I get my time once in a while where he needs data to come to the rescue. It's just not very awesome when it's four o'clock in the morning like last night. Um, my kids call me data. I'm their daddy. I'm their father. And the term father is an intimate term. It's a term of affection. It's a term of endearment. It's a term of connection and relationship. And this is how God wants to be seen. This is how God wants to be seen. We often have no problem seeing God as the creator, right? The beginning, the end, the, the sustainer of life, the, the all-powerful, omniscient, mighty God, the savior, the counselor, the guide, the holy, perfect God. We have no problem seeing God in that light or calling him in that light, but underlying all of that, the scriptures reveal that we are to view him and see him as father. And you see this throughout the gospels in the first four books of the New Testament, the four different accounts, eyewitness accounts of Jesus, Jesus makes more than 150 references to God as Father. In fact, in almost every single recorded prayer we have from Jesus that come from his lips, he says, he calls God Father. You see the word Father throughout the New Testament. But there are three times where the New Testament says, Abba, Father. You've probably heard this if you've been in church long enough. Abba, Father. First is in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. It says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, because you are... His sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Jesus, just before he was about to be crucified, he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. And he prays these words. He says, Abba, in this moment of desperation. And I think like he needs a father. He says this. He says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not as I will, but what you will. The term Abba is actually an Aramaic word, but it's one of the most significant names of God in understanding how God relates to people. The word Abba just means father, and so when you see Abba, father, they're actually saying father, father, but it signifies close, intimate relationship of a father and his child. It was used as an expression of affection and, and confidence and trust. It's the, the least formal word of father. And it often is used when a child would climb up on their dad's lap or jump into their arms. They'd use this word, father. Now, this was significant, significant to hear at this time. Significant to hear. Jesus was a Jew, a rabbi to most at the time. Just in case you didn't know, Christianity has its roots in Judaism. And so, so for the Jews to hear this term, Abba, to hear God addressed in this way, was unheard of. According to many um, Jewish scholars in the Old Testament, when they reference father, it's usually just metaphorical. It's more of a title rather than a name. And while the Old Testament writers sometimes used qualities of earthly fathers to describe God, Jesus used a very informal, intimate term, which was a break from tradition. 
And so for them to hear it was, was radical. And even furthermore, Jesus um, uses these terms to the disciples when he says, pray our Father. Call God Father. It was this, for this reason that his enemies thought to destroy him. Because they see Jesus assuming that he has this personal relationship with the God of the heavens and the creator of all life. And he dared to speak with such intimate terms, call God Father. Call him Father. Now I, I get that when some people think of the word Father, they don't think of affectionate terms. They don't think of intimacy. They don't think of connection and relationship. You may not think about going in your backyard and playing catch or or going out for ice cream, or sitting down to play Xbox. One of my favorite memories as a kid growing up is my dad taking me to Sears. And I'm like, why are we going to Sears? I thought I was getting dragged along for something, you know, just boring adult stuff. And sure enough, he, he, we, we went there because he had purchased what we called Nintendo chairs. And so anytime we would sit down to play Nintendo together, we sat in the Nintendo chairs. But maybe for some, when you think of father, you don't think of personal terms. You don't think of Nintendo chairs. You think of words like absent, abusive, controlling, overbearing, neglectful, abandoner, careless, mean, hurtful. And you think God as father? That's the last thing I need. Some people have a hard time relating to God as father because their experiences with their earthly father. And let's be honest, no dad is perfect. Even the best ones have their flaws. Fatherhood is an idea we're all familiar with, but we often project our experiences and our expectations with our earthly fathers on our heavenly father. For example, a boy who longs for his dad has a hard time seeing God as, as capable of fulfilling that role. God can't sit down and play catch with you, help you with your homework, or teach you to shave, at least in the traditional sense. Can't watch the Raptors game with you. Well, kind of can, because he's there. A girl who, who feels like she needs to succeed in sports and school to earn her father's approval, may see her relationship with God this way. I know that was for me. I had high expectations as a kid from my parents. And I felt like I could never measure up to my dad's standards. I never felt good enough. It was always do better. Now, I know my dad loved me, but there were those expectations. And for a while, I actually projected that on God. I never felt good enough. I felt like I was always trying to perform, and it would, it would, it would creep back in. We often project unknowingly and subconsciously our experiences with our earthly fathers on our heavenly father. So here's the reality, though. The essence of fatherhood is not found in human beings. The essence of fatherhood is found in God. And so maybe for many of us, our, our view of father is skewed but because of our experience, and so we need to change the definition. We need to redefine what it means to be father, what it means for God to be our father, because that will impact how we relate to God and how we get close to God. So the first point for you this morning is our father is loving, not controlling. Our father is loving, not controlling. See, your experience with, with, a, with fatherhood maybe was a slave driver who you can never please, and you had to work harder, even when you tried so hard to get that B minus, it was never good enough. And so you can project this on God the Father, and if you do so, you may find yourself intimidated by his standards, trying hard to please him, and feeling like a failure when you don't measure up. When you fall short of the gospel and you sin, you feel like a failure because you disappointed the slave driver. Man, I'm never good enough for God. Well, God is not controlling. He's loving. First John 4 verse 8 says, God is love. I love that. I love that because it's, God doesn't express love. 
right? He doesn't show love. He's the embodiment of love. So any love ever expressed or fully understood correctly, ever shown anywhere in parts of the world, finds its source in God. He is the source of love. He is love. He is a loving father. So if God is so loved, why does he have so many rules? Don't do this and don't do that and be like this and be like that and stay away from this and make sure you do this. We sometimes wonder, is God on some sort of power trip? Got all these rules in the Bible? Because maybe somewhere in eternity past, someone let him or controlled him, and so he's got to control all of us. God is not controlling. He's loving. He knows what's best for us. He knows how life works best. He created it. And he knows that, that in him we find what we're looking for and what we need, and that, that leads to eternal life. And if you, under, if you have children or had children, you understand this, because all of a sudden you're responsible for raising a human being to be a functioning member of society. And so you have to set boundaries in place so that they can learn and grow and not be wild and crazy. And it's the same with God. He sets boundaries in place to protect us and to cause us to grow, to become more like him so we can find ourselves living eternally with him. Because he knows what's best for us. My sons often don't know why I'm always saying, no, you can, no, you can, and no, you can. It's because I know what's best for them. And they don't understand. And they don't get it. And I know that. And that's okay. But I understand. Same way. We may not understand. Why are all these rules and regulations and things? Well, wait a second. You're not controlling me. You love me. So you know what's best for me. He's not controlling. God gives us rules out of love not to control us. Number two, our Father is present, not absent. Our Father is present, not absent. If your experience with fatherhood was an absentee father physically or emotionally, it can make you think that God is distant. Well, is he there? I think he is. Does he notice me? Is he listening when I pray? Does he hear me when, he, when I pray? Does he know that I'm going through this? In fact, the entire message of the Bible is that God is closing the gap between humanity and himself, that he's making a way for us to be close to him. In Jesus, he is in pursuit. He wants to be more present in your life than you want him to be present in your life. He wants to be more present in your life than you believe he needs to be in your life. Paul said this to the people in Ephesus. He said, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. It was God who brought you near. You were distant. You were far. You were absent. And he went and brought you close. To the very end of the age. And for them, that might have been confusing because he was just about to leave. No, I'm with you always, even when you don't know it or sense it, I am with you because I am the God of everything. You don't have to feel my presence for me to be near you. I'm closer than you even know. Isaiah the prophet said this, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. God is closer to you than you think. The Bible says in Daniel that he holds your breath in, your, in his hands. You are closer to God than you think. He is present. And in the spirit of God, as believers, he actually takes up dwelling in us. Not around us. Not around the corner. Not at the local church at 551 Murray Drive so that when you want to experience him on Sundays, he's in you as a believer. He's in you. He's closer than you think. I remember when, I, when my parents um, got a divorce. It was messy and it was long and it really impacted me as a kid. And my dad ended up moving to the States. And I remember... 
as a, as a young adult thinking, praying often, God, how am I going to do this? Like, he's not here. And it wasn't like God kind of just sugarcoated and be like, well, he's coming back. <laughs> he said, no, I'm here. Often, I'd be at altars and he'd be like, I'm here, Paul. I'm here. God is a present father. Our father, number three, is approachable, not too busy. If you're experienced with fatherhood, with someone who is there, but you weren't allowed to address him until he first talked to you. Or maybe he was always busy working or distracted. And so for you, you know God is there, but you feel like you can't approach him because he's the perfect God. He's the holy God. He's the God of all things. Oh, I can't approach him. But in Jesus, the Bible says we have complete access to him. And we can boldly approach the throne. He doesn't take days off. He doesn't go on business trips. He doesn't sleep. He's not too busy. David, King David prayed this. He said in Psalms 138, when I called, you answered. James says in James chapter 4, verse 8, come near to God and he will come near to you. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Whenever you want to talk, God is ready to listen. God is ready to listen. And I would say, this is just my opinion, that God is constantly talking to us. We're just not listening. He is approachable. It may not appear like he's listening. It may not appear like he's responding. It may appear like he's not near or far. But God's undying love, example, exemplified in the cross, shows that he is making a way for us to come to him boldly. You are separated from him. And he's like, I want you to be near to me. And so I'm going to die on the cross to fix this sin problem so that we can have a restored relationship and you can approach my throne, the king of all kings, the creator of all things, the alpha, the omega, whatever terms you want to say, you can approach me boldly like a child approaches a loving father, a loving father. Number four, finally, God, our father, is forgiving not condemning. I remember when I was in grade, I think grade five or six, uh, I was playing mini sticks with some friends at recess time. And there was this one kid, his name, I think his name was Nicholas. I was trying to remember. I think his name is Nicholas, maybe Timothy, but that's not the point. And he was a little bit rougher during the game, and he was a little bit more pushy and a little bit more aggressive. And I was the kind of kid that you could push me around, and you could, you could mess with me a little bit, but only so much, and then I couldn't take it, and then I'd usually snap. And so he was that kid. He was just aggressive in the game, and, and so finally I just couldn't take it anymore, and we got into a fight. No fists were thrown, but sticks were, because we were playing mini sticks. Thankfully for, for Timothy or Nicholas, whatever his name was, the teacher was around, and so she stopped me before I unleashed everything that was in me. But, but she sent us to the principal's office, and I spent a lot of time in that principal's office, so I know it all too well. And so we went down to the principal's office, and we got a detention, and they were going to send a letter home. And so once they sent us back to class, I remember bolting home. I ran home. I, I literally just left the school. My, my home was only a couple minutes away, just down a couple blocks, because I knew if I got home before my parents read a letter and I told them what was going on, I would be in less trouble and less trouble because I was fearful of the consequences. Well, when God, when we look at God this way, he's the co cosmic punisher ready to strike us. We say, oh, my goodness, I messed up. I messed up. This, oh, this is happening because God is mad at me. Listen, sin is a big deal, right? It led Jesus to the cross. It led Jesus to the cross. It messed with created order. It separated us from him. And so, yes, God is a judge. And yes, he's holy. And yes, there's consequences. But he is loving. He is loving because in Jesus, there is no condemnation. There is no disapproval. 
There is no damnation because Jesus took it on himself at the cross. Jody and I were watching this uh, cheesy Christian movie the other day on Netflix. And I say cheesy, it's my disclaimer because I'm not a huge fan of Christian movies. I love the messages, but often the acting's very poor or the production's very poor. And so you can, you can, you can, you know, write me a letter later if you like. But, but I, but I, I, we were sitting down, it was this movie about parenthood. It was actually had a really good message in it, and there was a tension between the, the children and the parents. And so the whole message of the, the movie was, was reconciling the relationship. And so there's this one scene where the family's having dinner, and they have some guests over, and there's tension already between the relationship between the son and the father. And the father says to the son, he wants to get up and leave and just have his dessert ready, but his dinner's not finished. And some of you remember probably when you were kids growing up or how you raised your kids, you don't leave the table or you don't get dessert until it's finished. But the way it was expressed was a little bit more forceful. You know, a little bit more aggressive. He says, you can't, you know, you got to finish your dinner. Dinner needs to be finished. And so the guest pipes up and says, hey, can I, can I try something? He says, sure. He looks at the son. He says, you can't leave or have dessert until your plate is cleared, right? He says, yeah. And so the guest reaches over and grabs all the food off the plate and eats it and says, it's finished. And I thought, wow, that is what Jesus does for us. That is what Jesus does for us. He took our sin that we deserved and the consequence so that in him there is forgiveness. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Not those who go to church, right? Not those who are nice and try to be really good. Not, 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 not any of that. But those who have a relationship with Jesus, there is no, he's eating the, the dinner off your plate so you can have dessert. He's eating the dinner off your plate when you have a condemning father, you have someone to hide from when you mess up. Man, I messed up. Dad's going to kill me. But when you have a forgiving father, you have someone to turn to when you mess up. Man, I messed up. I need to tell dad. I need to call dad. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. We're going to sing a song again because I think it's important to declare how good our father is. Our father is loving. He is present. He's approachable, and he is forgiving. So you may have had a controlling dad, but in God, you have a loving father who provides rules for your benefit, not his pleasure. You may have had an absent father, but in God, you have a present father who's closer than your breath, which is hard to believe if you've, if you've ever focused on your breath. You may have had a dad who was too busy for you, but in God, you have an approachable father who's there for you. In fact, he's waiting for you to return. He's waiting for you to speak with him. He longs for it. You may have had a dad who is always condemning and ready to punish. But in God, you have a forgiving father who paid your debt for you and said, it's finished. It's finished. He's a good father. And that's the way God wants us to see him. And when we begin to see God that way as a good father, then we begin to relate to him in that way. We no longer relate to him in fear. And we no longer relate to him out of duty or obligation. We'll sing songs out of our heart and we'll, we'll serve out of joy because we relate to him as father, good father. And that causes us to get closer and closer to him in confidence and love and that will define our lives in this life and the next. He's Abba father, the Bible says. He loves you. Max Lucado put it this way, if you know who Max Lucado is. He says this. He says, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. 
God had a wallet, your photograph would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring. He gives you the sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, he's willing to listen. He could live any place in the entire universe, but he chooses to reside in your heart. Face it, friend. He is crazy about you. God is good. God is the creator. He's the alpha. He's the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's holy. He's perfect. He is the judge. We are to have a, re a reverence towards him. We are to have a fear towards him that is healthy. But he's a good father. He sits on a throne, yes. The earth is his footstool, yes. But he steps down and he reaches down. He says, my child, come to me. He's Abba, Father. And what you think about him is the most important thing about you. Because what you think about him will determine how you relate to him. And how you relate to him will determine how close you get to him. And how close you get to him will define your life. So you could flip that. What's your life looking like? How close are you to God? Because sometimes we can say, oh, yeah, I think God is faithful, loving, and kind. But our life will determine something else. So how close are you to God? How do you relate to him? Because maybe you're relating to him in a way that he is not actually defined. Right? Maybe you're relating to him as the cosmic punisher. Right? Maybe you're relating to him as the genie. Or maybe you're relating to him as the absentee father. He's not any of that. He's the good father who's loving, he's forgiving, he's approachable, he's present. Don't project your relationship from your earthly father on the God who is father. I want you to stand. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm just mindful. I, I, I like to do this often just in case that maybe there's someone here who's never given your life to Jesus before. You've never committed to him as, as Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never done so because, because you have never viewed him as a loving father. Maybe you've never seen Jesus in this light and so you've never really committed your life to him because for you that's a difficult decision to make. I just want to give you opportunity to, to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to have the good father in your life. So I'm going to count to three. When, I, when I'm done counting, I just want you to slip up your hand. If that's you today, one. I just want to tell you that God is a good father. He's loving. He's caring. He desires a relationship with you. Even if you've never had a relationship with a father before, he desires a relationship with you too. You commit your life to him. I'm telling you, you have someone that is near to you, who's close to you, who's never, never leaves and never forsakes, who strengthens you, who's there for you when you need rest and peace. Three, if that's you today, you want to give your life to Jesus, you've never done so before, would you just raise your hand? Nobody's looking around. Anybody here today? Okay. I want to pray that maybe some of us have had a, had a perspective of God that isn't accurate, that isn't biblical. We've seen him as a cosmic judge, maybe absent or distant, maybe emotionally. Maybe we've seen him as a genie. We've never really seen him as a father, as a loving, affectionate father. One whose lap we can sit on, whose, whose wallet our picture resides in. If that's you today, you're like, man, I need, I need a perspective shift. And I just need some prayer. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray for you today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be honest, church, that was me, and it is me. Sometimes it still creeps back in. 
but we need to remind ourselves that God is a good Father. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who raised their hand today, God, those who need a perspective change. Lord, they've been relating to you on a level, God, and in a way, God, that is not who you are. And so I pray in your name, would you speak to their hearts? Would you fill their hearts with your love? God, would you reveal to them, God, who you are, that you are a God who cares, who's compassionate, who's kind, who's present, who's near, who's forgiving and not condemning. I pray in the name of Jesus, would you speak that over their, I speak that over lives, and would you speak it to their hearts in Jesus' name, so that when they leave this place, God, so, so that when we all leave this place, God, we will leave here, Father God, knowing that you are a good Father who is not like earthly fathers. You're better than earthly fathers. In fact, the definition of fatherhood stems and comes and, and finds its essence in you, God. You are, you are love. And so I just pray in the name of Jesus that we would be a church who knows you as good father. For you are a good father. And we bless your name. And we exalt you, Jesus. And we're thankful that in you, Jesus, we can boldly approach the throne room of the heavenly father. That we can come before the throne of God of all things and say, Abba, Father, Dad, you love me, you care for me, you're near me. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.